0: So in torts, we talked about assumption of risk. And assumption of risk and serve as a defense, this is a little out of order because I've I've forgotten to talk about this, but assumption of risk is a defense, uh, kind of like, for example, contributory negligence is a defense or comparative negligence is a defense, where the defendant can't be liable because the plaintiff assumed the risk. And so really what this is saying is... Sorry. There are two ways that you can assume the risk. There's an express way to assume it and then there's an implied way to assume the risk. The express way to assume it is found in a case Signor versus National Fitness Institute. And what happened here is that the person went and they signed the waiver saying I won't sue, I release you if you of any damages that I may occur incur using your equipment, and so they had signed this waiver saying I understand that this is dangerous equipment, and I may be hurt from it, and I assume any risk that may be associated with using this equipment. So generally, these kind of contracts are going to be enforceable as long as the language is clear, and if there is no public or uh, if there's no public policy exceptions. And so what policy considerations can be taken into account to determine whether or not this risk should, this expressed risk is present? Sorry, I've got something in my throat and it's really messing with me. One second. <coughs> and so some of the policy considerations that we're going to take into account is whether the defendant uh, intentionally caused the harm, meaning if it's an intentional tort, then... There's no express risk. Uh, if the defendant uh, has the disproportionate bargaining power, and that's going to be, for example, uh, if it's a take-it-or-leave-it kind of agreement, but if the plaintiff has no other options but to sign this, then that's disproportionate bargaining power. In this case, that wasn't the case because they could have gone to someplace else or they could have purchased their own uh, equipment and to exercise with. And the third one that we talked about is whether or not the transaction relates to uh, a public interest. And so, for example, if there are common carriers like bus drivers, uh, you don't assume the risk for getting on the bus. You don't uh, assume the risk for going to school, etc. those kind of things. So that's express assumption of risk. What about implied assumption of risk? Well, there's really two elements for implied assumption of risk. First is that there's a subjective awareness, meaning that the plaintiff actually knew that there was the danger in their mind, not just an objective awareness, but a subjective awareness, and that they voluntarily decided to accept that risk. And so this defense is typically going to be considered disfavored by the courts, but it is available. And we have a couple of cases. We have Rush v. Commercial Co. Um, That's just a case that really is saying... Her actions were not voluntary, and so she did not assume the risk. Then we have Blackburn versus Dorta. And uh, that's just saying that uh, if the actions uh, are unreasonable, you can't use assumption of risk to be a defense, meaning that the risk the assumption of risk needs to be reasonable if the defendant wants to use this as a defense and ultimately this results to assumption of risk at least implied assumption of risk being a defense that most people don't end up using so that's express assumption of risk where people just accept it whether through its a written waiver or implied assumption of risk where they're subjectively aware and make a voluntary decision to accept that risk. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Law Schoolers. Before I let you go, there are four things I want to say. The first thing is if you enjoyed these episodes and if you enjoyed the website, I would invite you to go and join Law Schoolers Pro, and you can do that by going to LawSchoolers.com slash join. It's a way for you to support us, but there's also a lot of features there that I think you will enjoy. Second thing is that nearly all of our episodes are unedited. The only ones that aren't are pre-law materials, and the reason for that is so you can actually see the legal material in its raw form as I'm learning it as well. The third thing is that the information contained in these episodes are specifically only for educational purposes. They're not to be used as legal advice. And with that, the fourth thing is, if it is used as legal advice, we are not liable. That is, law schoolers is not liable for any legal outcomes. Thank you again for enjoying the show. Have a good one.